Thank you for joining us on the Anchor Conversations podcast, where we are bringing your Sunday into your weekday. Our goal is to invite you into the conversation that's happening when we're preaching on Sunday mornings by giving you an opportunity to ask questions and to continue to interact with the text through this podcast. Let's get started. Well, happy Thanksgiving week and welcome to Anchor Conversations. This is Tyler. What's up, Jason? I, you know, nothing much. It's just getting ready for some some Thanksgiving uh, food, which, to be really honest, I think is in, in this. Some of it is just overrated to me. Um, well, hold on, food uh, hold on. I I want to go there because you know you like to joke that this is my <laughs> podcast. So, since this is my podcast, let's go negative Tyler for a minute. Okay. What it What is your least favorite part of Thanksgiving? Um, oh boy, you're gonna get me in trouble. What's my least favorite part of Thanksgiving? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, sometimes, sometimes, not all the time, I'm an introvert. So, like, I so by nature, I'm an introvert extrovert. When I'm around people, I love it. Um, it just drains me really, really bad. So sometimes, when it comes to Thanksgiving, um, there can be so many people. That if I don't find myself talking to one or two people specifically, it can I can be really exhausting for me. And especially because if I'm going to be making the food, because I'm making some pulled pork uh, tomorrow because um, my mother-in-law can't have turkey. So I'm going to make her some pulled pork. And then I'm smoking a couple turkeys on Wednesday, on Thursday. And uh, I'm bringing them over to their house. There's going to be 30 plus people there. So I, it's not that I don't like the people. It's just that it can be really exhausting for me sometimes if if i'm not careful um especially after i've been kind of making the food all day and i also feel like sometimes you make a ton of food and then it's gone it takes about 15 minutes to eat it and it just kind of feels like wow that why was that that was a lot of work you know so anyway yeah. that's that's what i would say a lot of times that that can be that can be hard for me what about you well i have two i have a top two here it's like 1a 1b least favorite things there's a lot of stuff i don't like about thanksgiving cuz you know i'm me but the two top one is traditional Thanksgiving food. There's okay. a reason. There's a reason why we all need that garbage once a year. <laughs> <laughs> Turkey included. Okay. Hot garbage. Okay. Uh, num- number two is the Macy's parade. Oh man. Terrible. Terrible. What? No, okay. Why why don't you like the Macy's? Because I'm trying to hold back here because we that's something we love as a family. We love watching it. What don't you like about it? Okay. Uh, now here's where I get in trouble. Because Lindsay loves the Thanksgiving <laughs> Day parade, and I think a lot of people you do. Just, I think we just <laughs> offended almost everybody listening to this. That's at some point somebody right now is offended, either because they're like, you don't like being around people, or wait, you don't like the food, or you don't like the Macy's parade. Now, the only thing we need to say is I hate the fact that football's on. And then, and then at some point, somebody's going to be like, no, okay, that's it. We've, we've had everybody. Well, that's the only thing I like about Thanksgiving is that football's on, but the, okay. The Thanksgiving parade, you know, there's a few things beginning with the lip syncing. Like what, who wants to watch that? Why, why, why would you watch that? It's terrible. It is terrible. That's on the NBC one. The CBS one doesn't have as much lip syncing. Well, no matter what broadcast you listen to, it is so hokey and corny and dorky. It's ridiculous. It's cringe, as the kids say. And here's my really, here's my really cynical 
side. <laughs> now now people are going to cancel me and turn me off. What mm-hmm. I joke around, what I joke about is that the Thanksgiving Day Parade is a, oh, no. a giant. It's, it's oh, a giant no. worship service to consumerism. Okay. And it's painful for me to sit there well, and be like, yeah. I mean, let's let's be honest. That's the reason you don't like Christmas and the and uh-huh. the and the the Thanksgiving Day Parade is the ushering in of Christmas. So I yes, I can so get that. But it's a service. It's a religious service. It ushers in. <laughs> That ushers in the the pagan Listen, holiday of consumerism. The, the thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast in no way, in no way implicate or speak for all of us on this podcast. Because I I love the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. I feel like I feel like it's a it's a way for me to to you know be in New York. I love New York. Be in New York to just watch everything going on. To so you experience some of the Broadway shows. Um, you can not, so NBC. I agree with you that the lip syncing can be obnoxious. CBS sometimes will actually go into the theaters, and you get to see them do a, a number or something like that. You get to see people singing. Um, you know they get to talk about a bunch of stuff. You get to see the floats or the the whatever they're called, not the floats, the the whatever those things are called. I don't remember what they're the balloons. Like they're, yeah, they're, they're called floats. Are they called I floats? Called, I think I so. I mean, they float. I feel like floats are more the the like the Rose Bowl parade, but I could be wrong. So well, no, um, I think they, I think you could either call them floats or idols. You know. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> let me let me restate this. In the thoughts and opinions or... expressed on on the on the Anchor Conversations podcast, do not do not ex- expressly in like they're not coming from me. This is not coming you, from me. You could I... also call them floating idols. You know, yeah. whatever you want, that's fine. <laughs> That's Al Roker so gets really excited about it, though. I do know. Yeah, that. see, you're watching. You're watching the NBC one. Oh, so it the doesn't NBC, matter. The it NBC one is all lip synced. Oh, oh. <laughs> hey, I will be. I will be up if that's what you're called. I'll be up worshiping the idol of Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. A um, lot of, of that, a which lot I of w- which I which I won't be doing. I won't be worshiping anything. But according to Tyler, that's what we'll be doing. Listen, let's let's do this. If you're listening to this. And you've never watched the thanks Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Do yourself a favor, um, watch it this year, and uh, and then give us your thoughts. Send a text message in to whatever the t- I can't remember the text number right now though, on Sundays. Text that in. Give us your thoughts. You're welcome to email us Tyler uh, at anchorchurchgilbert.com. <laughs> you can email us and just let us know that your opinions on this, and we'll try and share them next week. We'll try and get people's <laughs> opinions. If you watch it and you're like, yep, consumerism. If you're like, no, it was a joy. Just remember it's a time for us to close out the fall season and usher in the Christmas season. That's, that's what the, the Thanksgiving day parades for. Mm, no, it's not a time for us to, well, yeah, culturally the Christmas season, but not religiously the Christmas season. The Christmas season that's marked by, um, obviously, as Christians, uh, the idea of Jesus and his his birth, but then culturally, as we celebrate giving gifts, because Jesus gave is the greatest gift we've ever been given, so we give gifts. We we have the evergreen tree because Jesus rose from the dead, and that's evergreen. We have we have all the lights in the tree because there is no darkness in him. It's the <laughs> darkest day of the year. I mean, look, we can we can talk about a lot of things consumerism, but the things we celebrate actually have some some good biblical roots to them. So let's just this make sure this is called Christmas. Hey, I just I'm following the money. I'm following the money. Hey, <laughs> I'm just gonna follow the money. Okay, I'm, we should. I mean, we are capitalists. Me. We live in a capitalist society. 
and so on. We could keep doing this forever and ever. Hey, welcome into some of our conversations. This is how this is how it goes, everybody. I would like to know, though, if you agree with me on this, I really want to know if you agree with Tyler. Oh, everyone's going to agree with you. That to yourself. That's fine. Keep it to yourself. You agree with Tyler. You don't need to tell us that. But if you agree with me, I'd like to hear it. Uh, you know Tyler what? at anchorchurchgilbert.com or the or the phone number that you see on Sunday morning. You're welcome to let us know on, on any one of those. I'm gonna I'm gonna stand firm <laughs> arm in arm with Ben Holzer on this one. You and you and Ben <laughs> can watch the Grinch together and you can you can be <laughs> Grinches hating all the who's done in Whoville who like Christmas a lot. Um and you I like the Grinch, uh don't like Christmas together. So you can do that. Um like the Grinch, you know, he he did not. So we can you just we, make sure Ben and I love Christmas. We don't love consumerists. Whatever. Yeah. You're consumer. Ta- you're ta- consumer miss. You guys are taking them you guys are taking the mass out of Christmas. <laughs> no, we're putting it in. Everyone else is. We're no, the something MAS else the out end. of Christmas. <laughs> All right. Let's oh, get to so it. We've wasted everyone's time for 10 minutes. Let's get, <laughs> I, know. Let's get I always, mark. I actually always wonder how, how many, how many people are like, okay, 30 seconds, skip 30 seconds, skip. Are they done talking about this yet? 30 seconds, skip. Our, our Here's listenership has, has dropped. So I think we're, we're losing people with this, but <laughs> there's a faithful few left with us. That's good. I like it. <laughs> um, all right. So let's jump into Mark 15. Speaking of Christmas, Christ and <laughs> <laughs> the gift of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw from Mark 15 verses 21 through 32, um, the crucifixion account, or at least the first half of it, um, we'll cover the next half next week. Um, which by the way, as I'm preparing for that, and I'm sure you felt this way, I, I honestly could preach right now, four different sermons oh. from one text. Yeah, no, I know I, that's, that is, that is one of the issues is preaching through the cross. So I mean, we took three weeks on it, um, and I still felt this past week, I just felt like, man, I, I don't know. There's too much to say. I tried to say it all in one sermon by being simple. And that, man, that's, it's tough. That's a it's tough, tough. Yes. Uh, but your big idea this week was those who take up their cross will be satisfied. Um, and uh, I want to start with, we had two questions texted in. So that's great. Um, let's start great. with one kind of a um, more specific to the text. Um question that was texted in uh you referenced psalm 22 uh this week and and we'll see it again this this coming week um that psalm 22 is referenced um but in that psalm he talks about his uh hands and feet being pierced so Mm -hmm. what was texted in was psalm 22 refers to crucifixion with the piercing of the hands and feet was crucifixion around when david was king david obviously the author of psalm 22 Great question. Thank you for texting that in, whoever did. I appreciate you texting questions in. Uh, it does help us to be able to think through some of these things a little bit um, and just to bring some clarity. Um, it so, so here's how we have to read the Old Testament when we're talking about prophetic, especially messianic. So when we, when we read Psalm 22, it's called a messianic psalm, meaning that it that it finds its fulfillment in the Messiah. There's a few of those. Um, there's actually a number of those in the Psalms. And then there's um, a number of those elsewhere in the Bible. Another one might be, um, you know, Psalm, I think Psalm two would be considered a messianic Psalm. Just, just talking about, talking about the future King talking about, he's going to find this fulfillment in it. Um, so the, and this is a messianic Psalm. It's talking about the fulfillment being found in Christ. So David is writing 
um, from his own story. He's writing at he's writing it as if as if he's writing it. He doesn't necessarily know when he's writing this that this is going to be you know finding its fulfillment in the Messiah himself. He doesn't. He's not thinking that. Okay, now I'm writing a psalm that's gonna excuse me find its fulfillment in the Messiah. Um, what he what he is doing is he's writing this from his experience with his hardship um, being surrounded by those who wanted to to kill him. Um, I mean, if you if you know David's life, you realize that there there is a lot going on for him where he is struggling to um, survive. He's being chased down by Saul at times by his own children. I mean, there, there are times he is just, he is struggling. And so he's, he's writing this from some of these accounts where he just, he feels in verse 14, that he is being poured out like water. He's feeling that all his bones are disjointed. This, this is a poetic way from talking about his feeling his heart's like his heart's melting within him from sadness and grief. He's, he's talking like that. He was in the wilderness. So he's, you know, perhaps he's, his, his mouth is really dry in verse 15. Um, He's talking about his tongue sticking through the roof of his mouth in verse 15. And then you get into verse 16 of Psalm 22, where he says this, for dogs have surrounded me. A gang of evildoers has closed in on me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People look and stare at me. They divided my garments among themselves and they cast lots for my clothing. For him, he's saying, um, you know, it could be like an actual pack of dogs. Like he's like, man, I'm surrounded by by wild beasts they're after me the these this gang of evildoers people beasts whatever they're they're after me and and the word picture he has is they're they're actually nipping at him they're maybe perhaps biting biting him and they're they're causing him to to find you know his hands and his feet as he's pushing them away kicking away they're they're biting at him he wants to get push them away and they they just they're 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 chomping at him um but they didn't but it says, but they didn't break my bones. You know, all my bones are there, but people are staring at me for what I look like. They divide my garments among themselves. They're, they're out for selfish gain. So he he's using it from his own experience. Now, when we talk about it from, from a messianic perspective, we, we look back through Jesus at Psalm 22 and realize that David's experience as he's writing it, the, the spirit himself is using it uh, to point forward to find its fulfillment in Christ. So when it says, that he pierced his hands and feet. It's not talking about crucifixion there in the actual literal sense of Psalm 22, but looking back at Jesus, the piercing of his hands and feet was prophesied and, and it came to fulfillment. That That's how we have to read the Old Testament. We, we want to read our Old Testaments through a Jesus lens. Like imagine having glasses and you, you look at the life of Jesus, you look at his death and his resurrection, and you peer back into the Old Testament with those lenses and say, where, where do I find Jesus here and things that are pointing to him? This is what theologians have been doing for a long time. I mean, guys in the guys in the end of the first century, you know, um, guys in the second and third centuries, Athanasius or, um, you know, Augustine or um, Jerome or wh whoever it might be, they're, they're trying to do this all the way up through the, you know, the middle ages. And then you have the reformers and Calvin and Luther and those guys that are trying to do the same thing. And all the way through present day um, authors who are trying to do the same thing. You're trying to say, well, how, man, how can we, how can we get more of Jesus through the, the scriptures? So that's how we have to read Psalm 22 to, to answer your first question. Was crucifixion invented yet? Or was it around? The answer is no. 
Um, because David, um, you know, David lived a thousand years before that. And so ish. And so, um, you know, crucifixion was invented by the Romans. It was, it was the worst form of punishment, usually for slaves or dissenters, which is why Jesus, you know, if he's calling himself, if they're saying he's King of the Jews and he's going to want to take over the kingdom and that's what their charge is, then he would be crucified um if he was guilty of that but it was, it was for the, it was for the worst kind of people because the romans were trying to think just imagine if you're the roman empire you're you're expansive i mean the, the roman empire was almost the whole known world from northern africa all the way up to england all the way over to constantinople um and and down that whole area and so you you know how do you control the people and make sure there's no riots well um, you say, Hey, if you're going to revolt and if you're going to be, you know, if you're going to be a slave that tries to get out of it or do something, we're going to show you what we're going to do. And they would hang people on a cross in the most brutal way to die so that there would be no revolt, re revolt. There would be no re rebellion. Um, so that, that's, that's why crucifixion was invented. It was invented really by them to say, how, how can we make people suffer the most so that Nobody gets an idea that they're going to revolt against us. That's what it was for. So they came up with it. It was not around in David's time, um, but the psalm does refer, looking back, um, as we think about it, to a prophetic way that we can look at it through Jesus. I hope that that makes sense. Tyler, did that all make sense to you as you were yeah, listening to that? Yeah, it does. It makes sense. And it's it's really cool to just to see the Bible you know, function in the way God brought things about by the power of the Spirit, you know. Uh, even even the idea of you know for david you know it's that imagery of his hands and feet being bitten by dogs so he said he writes that they pierced my hands and feet well you know the, the romans could have picked any number of brutal ways to murder people you know and we can say by coincidence you know uh it's crucifixion but then we know it's not a coincidence mm -hmm. um jesus mm -hmm. you know he's up to something so yeah there's a there's a lot i mean Guys, we could dig in. We could dig in very deeply on the crucifixion if we wanted to. Um, I know Tyler is gonna gonna bring more things out this week for us. Let me just say this: um, the Bible, the Bible should be alive to us. Sometimes it feels like it's not, and I get that. I have everybody listen. I have those seasons too, where the Bible feels it feels stale. It feels hard to read it's almost like pulling teeth to open it. Cause you, maybe you're going through a hard season. You're like, I don't even know if God's near me, but, but when we, when we start exploring things and we start really trying to dig into who God is, let's think about this for a second. The, the pinnacle of society as Christians, this is what we believe. I believe this is true. The pinnacle of all society, the, of all world history is the cross of Christ. It is the it is the culmination of promises made from creation, um, and the fall all the way through to that um, to that moment in time. Everything since 2023 is downhill from that. It's this is all we're pointing back to the cross. The new the Old Testament points forward to the cross. Everything since that cross and resurrection it points backwards to the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And so, you know, God could have. God could have had had Jesus be born in any in any time period and die for our sins. But he does it in a in a time where there is the most brutal form of of capital punishment given. 
it's not, this is not a hanging. This is not lethal injection. Um, that according, I mean, when you, when you judge it against crucifixion is, <laughs> I mean, a lethal injection, when you think about crucifixion is, is pretty, it's pretty, um, I don't want to say calm, but calm's the wrong word. It's it's kind. I mean, I think you're just you're thinking about it, it wasn't that. It was a brutal way to die. And let's make no mistake, let's not get Trinity confusion involved here because people can get crazy on on the this idea of substitutionary atonement. Um that's a those are big words for like Jesus dying um in our place, God sending the son to die. We can kind of get, you know, you hear you hear language about things like, you know spiritual child abuse or something like that from, from God's son. No, let's make no mistake. Let's not get Trinity confusion. Jesus is God. He chose the cross. He chose the cross. He, he, he out of the Godhead, he made the decision, right? He said, this is what has to happen. We can't understand the Trinity. One God, three persons, God chose the cross. Now it was the second person of the Trinity that it was, but it's not like it's not like God the Father was forcing Jesus here. This is this is the Trinity saying, this is what has to happen for me to redeem a people who I love. And Jesus chose the cross. And he and he chose it in this kind of in this way. And so we look, if that we just have to get it right. Because if we don't, then we're then we miss all sorts of implications for the timing of it. I mean, the Roman Empire. This is this is when God chose to be born, you know, and to, to to die for us. And so when we talk about the crucifixion, it's not just, oh, you know, we're just talking about a brutal way to die. No, we're talking about God's chosen instrument to bring redemption to his people. And um, he did that for you. He did that for me. And and I think gratefulness should kind of flow from that. All right, I'm gonna jump to the second question that was texted in because I want to have plenty of time for for this one uh it flowed from your um live it out point to rest in that crucifixion to rest in the death of jesus and um what was texted in is what does it look like to rest in jesus death while working hard to serve at church at work your family etc uh how can we serve out of rest rather than out of striving Again, great question. Thank you for sending questions in. I reiterate um, that all your questions have been great. So if you're ever thinking like, I don't want to send a question in, you know, first of all, we don't know who's sending it in. So that's one. Two, um, they, they just help, they help us process through and think even as preachers to go, okay, what kind of questions should we be thinking about and answering in, the, in here? So anyway, thank you for sending this one in. I would have a couple different answers to this. Uh, the first one would be when it comes to resting and serving. So, so resting in Christ, I'm not talking about um, resting from serving or taking a break or something like that. That would be, that would be celebrating and commemorating and observing the Sabbath, the Sabbath rest. So having, having a day a week, a Sunday or a Saturday or something where you're just resting where you're resting from work. I think, I think we don't need to take it as far as like, I can't open the door. You know, I know that, that if you were to talk to some, you know, Hasidic folks who would, who would take all this literally, it would be like, I can't even push an elevator button that's doing work. We're not talking about that. It's just more, do you have time in your week where you're saying, I just, my body needs a rest. You're not God, neither am I. It'd be great. It'd be great if we could 
you know, sleep for two hours a night, get a lot of stuff done, keep going, keep working, never stopping. But you know what, what we're doing then, I think there's a part of us that wants to be God and God made us to need rest. And so, so what, what, as I'm thinking about, as I'm thinking about serving in the church and, you know, trying to, you know, not, not strive and, and finding rest, I would just say, are there times where you are resting? And, and I don't, I don't necessarily think that that even means, you know, from serving in the church body, because that that's something that we are called to do. We're called to be a part of the body of Christ. And, and there are some who have gifts of serving and there are some who have gifts of teaching and there, and we all come together and we all serve one another and we do that. So that's part of, that's part of being a part of the church, you know, but I would say like on Saturday, are you just going, 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 going on Sunday, you come home from church, you're going, 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 going Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, going, going, there's never a break. And in two months in, you're like, I need a break. I need rest. And I think oftentimes we can think what needs to go is me, is me serving in kids ministry. And I would say, yeah, that's probably one of the last things that should go. And I'm just, I know that that sounds self-serving as a pastor, you know, or, or, or I, I need to stop serving. Cause I need, you know, I don't want to get up early or something like that. That, that listen, you're actually, you're actually going against some of the Bible, some of what Jesus expects of us as Christian brothers and sisters to serve one another. Cause by you serving in the church, you're actually, you're, ha- you're helping others to get rest. You know, we, we do setup team, for example, twice a month, two other two times a month, you can rest on Sundays, get up, sleep late. But, but we just, we, you know, like that. So there's something there, but I would just say practice, practice some sort of Sabbath, a, a, a time um, a Saturday or something or Sunday afternoon where you're resting, you're not feeling like you have to go all the time. And in our culture, that's hard because we have kids going this way and that way. We have sports events. We have all this kind of stuff. And I get it. I'm in that season too, but we have to find that. So that's the first answer to your question. The the resting in Christ isn't so much from serving or, or something like that. That would be more of a Sabbath idea. Resting in Christ, what I mean by this is finding um, rest, finding soul rest in his death um, and his resurrection for what he did for you. It's soul rest. It's like the idea of peace or shalom. This idea of finding this peace and, and rest because of who God is and what he's done in my soul. You know, when Jesus says things like, hey, come to me all who are weary so for you, I would say this to you, if you are weary because you're tired, um, find find some Sabbath rest during your week. If you're weary because your soul is striving to find um, some sort of, you know, I, I want to be made, I want to be acceptable to the Lord. I want other people to like me and I want to find satisfaction in their approval I need to find a spouse because that's when I'm going to be happy. I need to make more money because money's going to make me happy. And you're striving in your heart and in your soul. That's what I'm talking about saying, wait a second, come to me, all who are weary and heavy with burdens. Jesus says, I will give you rest for your soul. You know why? Because he is the fountain of living water. And I, we were just in, we were actually just in Istanbul, um, Tiffany and I on our, on our cruise went to Istanbul. One of the places that we went to see was an old, um, like an underground um, cistern. 
it was this mass. I didn't know what a cistern was. I thought it was just a well. Like I just thought, oh, it's just a, like a big well. It's not. It's a room that they make under the ground to hold millions of gallons of water. Like we walked through it and it was a, it was a cavern. I mean, it was probably as big as like, you know, if you think if you're walking through like a convention hall, if you've ever been like in a big convention hall and you're walking through it, that's like essentially the size of this thing massive and it's built underground and they would fill it with water in case there was any need for water in the city. If the, if people were attacking the city, they wouldn't run out of water. If there if the water got contaminated, they would have fresh water underneath. And so they would make it for themselves to serve them. That's what they would do. <clears throat> Jesus in the old Testament, we read, you know, my people have forsaken me. He says the fountain of living water and they've, they've built for themselves cisterns. It says broken cisterns that can hold no water. That's what that's what we do sometimes. We we try to strive and make for ourselves cisterns that really are broken. So when you pour water in it, they just kind of go out. And Jesus is saying, "I am the fountain of living water. You're you're, you're thirsty. What? Come to me if you're weary. Come to me. I have the water you need. Stop trying to make stop trying to make things for your for yourself that are going to actually prove to be." useless and futile like don't stray from from who he is his death for you accomplished your greatest need which was to be reconciled to him and to find soul rest and yet oftentimes we think well just a little bit more if i just get one more promotion i'm going to be happy and i i would say find somebody who's gotten a big promotion at work at some point and ask them if it's made them happy and they're going to say well i mean the money's nice but it has done nothing for their souls i guarantee i promise you I've gotten big, big, big promotions too in the past and previous jobs and previous things. It never affects my soul. It might affect my, my standard of living, <clears throat> or, but it never affects my soul. You know why? Because it's a broken cistern. It can't hold the water your soul needs. You need Jesus. You need to recognize his death for you saved you from your sin. It, it rescued you from it. You have a future hope in Christ that is secure. It's unfading. It's kept in heaven for you. There is a there is a promise of of a new heavens and a new earth being made that we are going to experience Christian we'll see Jesus face to face and he's going to say well done because we lived this life we've we've walked it out so when we think about it that way the issues and problems of this life don't go away our children you know we we have to parent them sometimes it's hard maybe you're a a child of a parent who's hard um here you're listening to this you're like my parents are hard yeah life can be difficult we we have to deal with schoolwork. That's a pain. I get it. If you're if you're a student, we have to deal with real work, like work from a job. Like that can be really hard. It can be exhausting. We don't like it. it we we deal with all those things, and it, that can be hard for us. But I think what's going to solve some of that for us is if yeah, it's hard from a I need some Sabbath rest. But what about your soul rest? Are you experiencing that? We talk about things like spiritual disciplines and reading your Bible and spending time in in contemplative prayer and you know, are you doing that? If not, then you're just constantly pouring out of yourself. But what, what water is coming back into your soul is, is, are you allowing the fountain of living water to fill you up? Or are you just constantly feeling drained spiritually because you give Jesus, you know, you're like, Jesus, I'm going to drink a glass of water once every two weeks from you and you drink it and you expect to not be dehydrated spiritually. That, that doesn't make any sense, Christian. Like it doesn't. We, we, we need to be constantly drinking from the fountain of living water. And that's, what's going to give us rest for our souls. So when I, what I mean by being satisfied in him is realizing that 
I need to stop striving in my own soul to make something of myself, to use God to try and push my position forward, to to look down on this person so I feel better, to take advantage of it so that I can get something or do whatever I want to do, to um, you know, to uh come outside and be legalistic and make all these rules for myself to make myself feel better. God never promised that we'd that we would just constantly have a feeling of goodness. What he did promise in us is that that the joy that we have cannot be taken away because we have our satisfaction in him. And we just need to keep pressing into that. I think that's an important part of recognizing the work of the cross, um, that his death for us accomplished something. So let me, let me say this last thing, Tyler, I know I'm, I'm going long, but hopefully this is helpful for you, <clears throat> for you all. But in Colossians, you know, it says, put your trans, all of your sin, every single part of you that has been that sinful was nailed to the cross he, he took the certificate of debt that stood against you with all of its legal demands. This is, this is Colossians with all of its legal demands, which let me tell you what his legal demands are. You are guilty of essentially uh, insubordination, insurrection. You're, you're guilty of, of looking at the creator who made you and saying, I don't want any part of you. This is what happens when we, when we are born because Adam and Eve's sin comes to us. We are essentially enemies of the king. <clears throat> in a lot of ways, in our in our minds, um, we're guilty of that. We're guilty of that. Essentially, if we were in the Roman Empire, we could have been crucified if if we were doing what we were doing. What we do to the Lord sometimes we just stand against Him. Psalm two says we shake our fists against Him, um, and so what Jesus did was He said, <clears throat> "Here's all the legal demands, which is death for you, and I'm going to take all of that. I'm going to nail that to the cross. I'm going to nail your certificate of debt." With all its legal demands, it is nailed to the cross. You will bear it no more, and you go free in my death. And, and we have an exclamation point on it in the resurrection. I'm no longer dead, but I'm the living one. <clears throat> I'm the one who has, who has not died, but he's risen from the dead. And, and I stand um, for you as an advocate. And so therefore, if you trust in me and you're living your life, you have not only do you have nothing to fear, because death is just a doorway to eternal life, which is a joy, but you also have no reason to keep striving, striving for acceptance or for anything else. Rest in me. If, if you are weary, if you are burdened, find your rest in me is what Jesus says. And so I just would encourage you to, to continue to, to do that and continue to rest in him as you go. And also, if you don't have any rest during your week, find some Sabbath rest um, on, a, on a Saturday or something like that. Just take some time to just have your bodies rest. You're not God. Uh, you need You need the rest. Yeah, I think, you know, this is a something that for me is is not typically a strength. In fact, I do know that this question was was sent in by someone in my house. So not something that we're we're particularly strong at over at the Jenner household, you know, rest. Owen? Uh, yes. Oh, uh, no, actually, James. James sent this in. <laughs> oh, James. That's cool, man. I'm glad he can. Yeah. I'm glad he can read and write at one and a half or two. Shoot. I wish the kid would rest, though. My goodness. <laughs> um, he's busy. But uh <laughs> But I, you know, I think it, it's important to understand that rest is, is an act of faith. You know, when God hands down the Sabbath to his people, he's handing that down to an agrarian society saying, yeah, you live hand to mouth and I want you to take a day off of work. That that's, that's a, a high calling. Um, when you think about the, the, the command to let the, the fields lay fallow for a year. Wow. That is, 
huge. Like, especially wow. when you're, especially when if you if you were to do that, the danger would be. I, I hope that it's there tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We kind of have it built in on a Saturday and Sunday a little bit. We fill it with stuff. But right. you're right. Like back in that agrarian society, that's the only way they could survive. And right. so so the, the Sabbath idea is actually an act of massive grace and kindness by the Lord to, yeah. to allow allow a day off and just trust that, yep, this will be here on Monday. Yeah. Um, or on Sunday when I when this Jewish calendar starts on the Sunday. So take Saturday yeah. off and, and on Sunday take, you know, get back to work. Yeah, it's an act of faith. And side note, it's also an act of wisdom we're finding out now because our fields uh need more rest than they're getting. It affects the soil, but that's that's a total side note. But um I do think it's important to know that rest is an act of faith. It is saying, Yeah, I'm gonna take you at your word, God, that if I rest, you will provide for me. And that in my rest, I can find you and that that's what I need more than anything else is I need to rest in you. And one of the things I I think is important, too, is that amusement and rest are not the same thing. So they're not exclusive of one another either, but they're not the same thing. And I think that's important for us to to remember that, you know, the root of, of amusement, ah, muse. So no musing, which is thinking, okay? That is not in and of itself rest. Um, rest, it, because it's an act of faith, is actually engaging our hearts and our minds towards the Lord, towards his goodness, towards trust in him, towards the good things that he has for us. Now, a part of that may be amusement, but if you're only, the only way you find rest is through, let's say, zoning out to, you know, binge on netflix or you know uh, something to that effect yeah tiktok video games uh something like that where you're just you know like where where it's like i just need to shut my brain off that can be a part of your rest but if that's all of your rest the problem with that is that you're not dealing with the things that are making you anxious the things that are causing you to need rest you're not dealing with those things in prayer and acting in faith towards god and that's what you need to do to find rest in Jesus. Yeah, so true. that that can be part of our rest. But if that's all of our rest, I think what we're going to find is that it's not actually restful. <laughs> and when we go, I don't feel rested. That may be why, at, at least in part. Yeah. Unless it's FIFA 23. Uh, unless it's the Thanksgiving Day <laughs> just, Parade. Unless Shut it's your brain Day off parade. for that. <laughs> do not engage at Tyler, all with that. Tyler during the whole Thanksgiving Day Parade will be just resting his soul from the Thanksgiving day parade and doing something else. And uh, the you know rest what of us I will, will not be doing, I will not ourselves. be allowing others to rest because <laughs> while they're trying to watch it, I'll be making fun of it and they'll yeah. be telling me to yeah. shut up. Hey, just don't forget Tyler at anchorchurchgilbert.com or on Sunday, text it in. Let me know uh, what your thoughts are on the parade. Hey, I would say enjoy your Thanksgiving dinner, but that's not really possible for you to enjoy it, <laughs> so but get as much enjoyment as you can out of that dry old bird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy it for real. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We hope yes. that you have a great Happy one. And we're looking forward to seeing you on Sunday. We are thankful for you. That much is true. Thank you for taking the time to join us today as we brought your Sunday into your weekday. Our hope and prayer is that you continue pressing into the Lord and applying the Bible to your life as you seek to honor Jesus as King. We'd encourage you to continue this conversation with God through reading the word and praying 
and to continue this conversation with other Christians at your Anchor Huddles and your Anchor Communities. We look forward to worshiping King Jesus with you this Sunday and to talking to you again on the podcast next week.